Good morning. You are listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast. Your inside look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm John, and it's that time of year again. I guess it always is. The clocks change depending on where you live. The weather changes. And I realize I've got a collection of hoodies sitting next to my cellar full of beer, which is actually just a closet with a door on it. (laughs) More exciting than that, we've got Thanksgiving coming up here in the States, and it's a wonderful time for food and beer and traditions, and we're going to talk about some of those that are close to us here and hopefully hear some from you as well. And I'm Harrison, and I'm ready to eat. A few things make me happier than food, football, American football, uh, and beer. And that's what we're, this time of year is really all about in the States. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, today, kind of why uh, those things are all awesome. In case you don't share the same disposition as me yet, we'll try to get you there um, by the end of the episode. But first... Drinking Socially is released every other Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And the best, maybe not best, subjectively most fun part of every episode that I do with you, Harrison, is almost (laughs) always the first beer we open. You're right. Um, This one is a decent beginning. Oh, Um, yeah. Comes to us from an old friend of all of ours, Kyle Roderick. That's right. Um, Kyle used to host the the original, the OG host. Um, He brought us this beer from the West Coast. Harrison, do you mind giving a rundown while I crack this open? We'll see if it's a gusher. Yeah, right. I imagine. We'll see. Right. That's been a a topic of discussion this week. Here we go. Ah, Relatively relatively tame. A little bit. But there always is. There's always some some excitement there. So, yeah. So, we're drinking Recursion IPA from Bottle Logic Brewing on uh, the good old West Coast. It's uh, listed as an American style IPA, about six and a half percent. No IBUs listed there, but uh, their notes say it's a culmination of their recursion experiment. Um, This is the 9.0 recipe chosen as the best version of this West Coast IPA series. They're trying to kind of a couple different versions of this. Um, and this was the ninth iteration and I guess deemed as the one they enjoyed the most. So here we are getting to enjoy it as well. But it's going to be awesome. I'm pumped to get some bottle logic going. This is, I, I think, is my first, maybe not my first. It's, it's got to be one of my first bottle logic beers now that I've stumbled over <laughs> that sentence. Uh, if I had any before, they were likely brought to me from Cal Roderick, but I don't think I've ever checked into Bottle no. Logic before. And these guys are incredibly well celebrated. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have a huge, you have tons of fanfare overall, and more than for the brewery itself, more than seven hundred thousand check-ins, which is pretty impressive. Ten thousand this month as of uh, recording today out of Anaheim, California. And yeah, certainly made a name for themselves since uh, busting onto the scene with uh, their impressive beers of all different styles, but definitely uh, I'm known a lot for their IPAs. So this is going to be fun to be drinking a West Coast IPA from a West Coast brewery and and, and, and a very um, awesome one at that. So let's, let's, let's do here. it. Here's cheers. Cheers. Mmm. Man. It smells um, floral and fruity on the nose. It smells like a, any IPA this day will. Super nice. It's, yeah, it's it, it's that dry finish that West Coast uh, IPAs yep. bring to the, the game that it's, you know, it, I love. Um, and it's, again, it's not what you see every day, which I know we've said a lot when we talk about IPAs on here. But um, this is, 
This is great. This is yeah. This is definitely the first time I've ever had Bottle Logic too. So fun to be checking it out. Pours kind of a nice kind of coppery to hayish, more like a hay color. You can see through it. It's not um, it's not hazy at all. It's you know got some kind of probably chill haze happening right now. Um, but uh, yeah, to the style, it looks great. It smells very fruity. Ooh. It, the finish on it is it takes me back to the days when I would want an IPA and a big bowl of mac and cheese with butter. Mm. Like the, the it's such a clean, dry finish. This just refreshes your palate every time you have one. Right. That was kind of like, yeah, my rem- early memories of drinking IPAs that had a ton of bitterness to them was you you drink it and it would be super refreshing and then it would finish like that dry kind of bitterness that we all know that made you want to drink another sip. And it was just like never ending cycle of, <laughs> Ooh, I'm refreshed. Uh, but now I need another drink. Yeah. I'm refreshing for a moment, but there it is again. Um, and you kind of learned to, I learned to love that whole kind of roller coaster that that's, if you ever see me drinking an IPA, that's the conversation I'm having in my head till this day, probably of, Ooh, the bitterness, here it comes. But uh, wait, let's go back for more uh, in the beginning. Exactly right. The circle of, the circle of life. Again. Sure, something like that. Yeah. The circle of West Coast IPA drinker. That's, mm. These guys, one of my uh, favorite things is a longtime observer of Bottle Logic mm-hmm. is their uh, equal, maybe not equal, but equal attention or equal love of food as well. Yeah. It says right on the can here, this pairs well with grilled pork banh mi. Mm. everything does right um <laughs> but i'm not going to disagree the fattiness of that grilled pork and coming back with a sip of this i wish that i was there um a super impressive from a culinary background one thing that i respect and love bottle logic for is their uh website they have a blog they keep up mm-hmm. and uh, there's all kinds of food recipes that come from Chef Patrick Whitaker, who puts together these beautiful photos and pictures making bourbon pecan, toffee crunch, and coconut bonbons. And of course, uh, they're designed to pair with or even sometimes include the beers that they make as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great. It's a great uh, part of we're going to talk about tradition today. Um, and how uh, food and beer, those senses can tie so so closely to memory. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's a big part of what we'll talk about today, kind of as we run through our some of our favorite holiday traditions. Um, yeah, I mean, this, again, pr- super classic to the style. Very impressed with just how, like, yeah, balanced it is. It's definitely not overpoweringly bitter at all, but it's certainly, it's there. If I had to guess, it's probably about... And we, we will have this conversation someday, but probably about 65 or 70 IBUs or so. Yeah, there was somebody on the uh, uh, Drinking Socially Facebook group that was talking about, uh, I think it was in Italy or uh, Singapore, they had their first IPA mm-hmm. over 100 IBUs. Right. And I, I think it's a great point to make, Harrison. We should definitely, we will. not that anybody knows the answer to no. IBUs maybe, but we can... Uh, I, I, I would love some light shed on it from a mustached man like yourself. And we will. We'll yeah. We'll do. We'll do that someday because it's a longer conversation that uh, has some history to it. But for now, I mean, this is this is great. And yes, and always welcome the bitterness of the hop any day of the week. But I'm I'm enjoying this too. And you're right. The, can, the can's great. Cool, like logos. Cool artwork. I'm digging it all. I'm pumped. We're going to enjoy this. In this beer itself. Um, of almost 7,000 check-ins. Yeah. 
uh, rating just about four bottle caps. It's available. I see it uh, at some verified locations on Untapped in Arizona, a lot of California, of course. Um, I see it being checked in all across California. Um, I always like to go over when I'm looking at a beer on Untapped. Uh, first person that comes up is Kyle. He mm-hmm. had it about a month ago, checking in at um, I think probably somewhere out in Burbank. Kyle was, but. Uh, a couple of friends from the Untapped group. Uh, a couple of my real life friends I see have been fortunate enough to have this beer as well. Um, so that's really cool seeing. I love going through and seeing what people I know think about the same beer that I'm drinking, especially if it's been years ago. Too. Right. And I do also like this idea that a lot of breweries have done in the past of kind of trying, like whether it's a single hop IPA variation or maybe you don't change like the grain bill much with the hop combos you change or you try a single hop and try to hunt down maybe the best version of this beer based on changing the hops around and that's something that tons again tons of breweries have done this in the past but it's always a cool thing to kind of have your fans be involved with well if we're going to name a beer recursion in this case like this one is let's try a couple different versions of it and have some people try and get some feedback from them to see what's getting them excited before we settle on what recursion IPA is going to be. And that's what they've done here and took at least nine stabs at it, which is, uh, which is great. And all the while, you know, getting to enjoy and all the different versions of it looking through on tapped are all, you know, people enjoy them, you know, positive reviews across the board, which is kind of what we come to expect from, uh, from these guys. But yeah, cool thing to, to really have them involved, your fans involved in this stuff as they, uh, you guys come to the conclusion together. And this is great. Love to try them all, but can't have everything, John. Where would you put it? <laughs> it I'd argue it, it would have been easier uh, maybe five or even ten years ago especially, but um, now, now I'm starting to sound like my father where everything was easier back in the day or harder depending on the story. Right, right. Um, but this is uh, one of the uh, things I find myself saying a lot lately especially doing this podcast with you and, mm-hmm. and spending some real time just researching and looking at the beer industry and talking about it here with Harrison uh if there's any black and white true as true as the day is long thing i can say about the beer industry today it's that if you like drinking beer this is the best time to be alive <laughs> the best time to be alive uh, there's Often posts we'll see people, especially in the in the Facebook group, going traveling to Italy and Singapore, and people from Russia talking about drinking the same type of beers Mm -hmm. that uh, that we are here in North Carolina and and friends across the country, and uh, and I think it's just it's a great time. It is um, to taste all these crazy concoctions. Yeah, right. Not yeah, not only just to taste it, but also to have yeah, kind of the internet exists where you can have ways and there are companies out there that that can get you beer that you can't walk down to your bottle shop and get and um and beer trades and all that cool stuff we've spoken about in the past so yeah that's yeah you're right it's uh it's a brave new world that is kind of wild and uh, sometimes overwhelming to have a, a real bead on really kind of find the pulse of it there probably isn't one anymore i mean i think we've probably entered the point of fractured everything where you know there is no predominant style i mean you could say new england ipa but sours and berliners and 
imperial stouts this time of year. Like there's just so much out there for any palate and, and then every brewery kind of doing it a little bit differently. It's uh, yep. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. That's a really good point to make it, it, it's, as we sit here. Uh, most of the beer I drink day to day comes from in or around North Carolina and mm-hmm. New England IPAs were really popular here, mm-hmm. especially over the last year, but I'm drinking a West coast IPA. Um, yep. and even, I mean, a lot of times I look at something and say that's, that's purely marketing. Um, but the differentiator between a West Coast IPA and a New England IPA is incredibly yeah, visible, especially if you are able to drink one right after another. There's, right. there's, yes. there's no easier comparison yes. before you realize those are two totally different tastes. Yep. I've been doing that past couple of weekends, doing like a West Coast and a New England and trying to see like what t- – just testing my taste buds, kind of putting them through some some Olympics there, some, some trials, and it's been uh, – it's been fun to go side by side. Um, yeah, because they are very different. And yet still, under that big old IPA umbrella, it keeps getting bigger every day. A lot of Verify venues have this too, all over the place. Lots of them in California, but I'm seeing the, the Theodore in Phoenix, Arizona um, has it right now as well. Litchfield or Ground Control in Arizona. So that's pretty cool. Lots of check-ins. Has a few you know, day ago, the most recent one, it says, as we are recording this. Um yeah, that's awesome. And ground control, I've never been there to Litchfield, Arizona. I only know them from Untapped. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to assume their name comes from the fact that they're also really good at coffee, right? I'd but be good. Good. They keep a they keep a pretty awesome beer menu. Just as I'm kind of cruising through it, I see Ren House uh, from Arizona, Abnormal, right? Um, a couple of Bottle Logics on there. One of the things I try and do often, especially when people ask me, like, I'm going to XYZ City, uh, what type of things should I be looking for? I mean, I love using, I'll go to Untapped and visit this brewery and that brewery because they have something really cool going on and Mm -hmm. visit this tap house or bar bottle shop because they've got a bunch of locals on tap. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen someone drinking this on the 12th of November and in holland which is pretty cool this same beer this beer in holland yeah, holland that's awesome. definitely yeah he's got the picture of the can right there loving it how about it so that's what i'm saying it's a it's a big world but it becomes a small world thanks to the internet so true <laughs> um, so true i think most of my untapped friends i've never actually had a pint with right in person sure um but i love we've all we've all most of us have drank right. very all, much drink the same together years. And, yeah and i'll drink together every friday and saturday and get to see that happen uh in real time it is i know that's it goes without saying but we do talk about it a lot that is a cool cool part of this whole community is it does make the the world a little bit smaller connected we all are Cool. This is great. It's been, I I haven't had a West Coast. Well, I guess I've been having them on the weekends, but. um, Haven't had West Coast today. (laughs) Haven't had one today yet. So that's good. Good it happened. Um, Coming up next uh, after this beer, we've got one um, from Innocent Gun. Yeah. So Um, we're switching things up too. I think the only other beers outside of the U.S. we've had were during the Oktoberfest episode. Right so far, am I right, John? I, to, to my right. to my untrained memory, I'm trying to think through. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've been all U.S. made beers. Right. Some really hard to find. Some I'll never see again. Yep. Outside of Oktoberfest, I think this is our first trip across the pond. Yeah. Um, and it's a beer like 
so many times uh, I see beers on the shelf, and even if I haven't had them, I just get you get comfortable seeing that beer. Mm-hmm. Where you just say, oh, "I've seen that many times before." But um, I was talking with Harrison about a dark beer to bring on to the show for this one. Yeah, talking about traditions as well, and he kind of mentioned looking for these guys, and and they got a really cool story as well. Um, I can't believe anytime I think of a brewery from overseas, I always imagine that they've been right. brewing beer for Forever. hundreds and hundreds right. of years. These guys have been around for less than 20. Right. Um, but I think one of the UK's premier barrel agers, they, I mean, they make a lot of beer. They do. They put tons of stuff in barrels. That's kind of a, yeah, yes, outside of their, you know, original, which is a Scottish uh, export ale, but a lot of rum finished things and oak IPAs and Irish whiskey finished beers. Uh, you know, a lot of really, um, really cool stuff. And what we're having today, Kindred Spirits, is brewed with Telemore Dew whiskey staves. The Telemore Dew is an Irish whiskey. It's one that I love. Probably my favorite Irish whiskey, actually, for uh, being honest. Um, and uh, yeah, so excited to try it for that alone. But also knowing these guys are experts with uh, things that beer can be put in and added to and and so on, um, whiskey specifically, uh, this is going to be probably, oh, wow. Yeah, pouring this Already. into my glass, this is a about 6, 6.1% stout. Um, it gives a beautiful like foam creamy head mm-hmm. on the top, which I'm always excited to see. One of these days we're going to have to drink a Guinness on here. I wouldn't mind that either, but... This pours beautifully. It looks great. You mentioned something, Harrison, um, mm-hmm. as I'm letting this warm up in my hand, yeah. oak staves in yes. this beer. So I, I always assume like barrel age, it sits in a, a whiskey barrel for years right. and years. Right. How, and you don't um, really need to do that. Yeah, so even like homebrewers out there, you can go to your local homebrew shop or jump online and find a bigger one uh, you know, online and get um, like oak chips or oak spires. And they can be from any kind of barrels, like rum ones, whiskey, burb, like whatever you want. And it's, yeah, so staves is, when you look at a barrel, a wooden barrel, the wood part of that barrel, the little kind of plank looking things are called staves. Um, and you can take, you know, when you take the steel bands off of it, they essentially come apart um, and then they're just pieces of wood that have, you know, and so what they do is they can chop it up and put it in the actual beer. So as it's fermenting in a tank, you have chunks of this barrel in there. So it's not like resting in the barrels. It's, as they say in the bottle, a stout matured with Irish whiskey barrel staves. So the actual barrel of the the stout or that the whiskey was in has been added to this beer as it's uh, conditioning. So um, it doesn't like sit in it and therefore really impart as much alcohol as like dumping into a freshly emptied whiskey barrel would, but it does pull a lot of the flavor out of it, like kind of steeping. Twice as much surface area, I guess, right? Yeah, right, right. Steeping in that wood. Uh, But it's not something that you can, it's, it's pretty accessible. I brewed a fair amount of beers just at home before I, did this professionally with uh, some rum oak chips I used to use a lot. So, yeah, so that's what this beer is doing, or that's what happened in this beer. And um, So, yeah, not aged in, but kind of matured with. And uh, and I don't know how long, but let's kind of take a taste and see what we can learn from this guy. A smell, it sure does mm-hmm. smell good. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ooh. like, Ooh. like chocolate brownies yeah, on the right. nose. And it's, it tastes like it, too. It's very, there is that little kind of tanniny wood note that whoop, grabs you in yep. the back 
But other than that, it's like it's like this nice mellow coffee cake batter thing happening, which is great. And a really cool thing. And this is not, not the only um, beer that uh, brewery that does this, but um, it's really cool to enjoy beers like this where it's a little more sessionable, like an eleven or twelve percent barrel aged beer, but you're still getting a lot of the flavor from um, whiskey barrels. Absolutely, but they do tons of stuff with barrels, man. They, I'm just looking at their everything on untapped, and it's all bourbon barrel porter, spiced rum aged porter. There's there's tons of stuff. It's re- really cool. I'm looking on their uh, brewery page on Untapped. Obviously, they've got their uh, tap room set up in Edinburgh and Glasgow, but mm-hmm. I see them uh, getting checked in in Florida, in uh, in Virginia, in Oklahoma. They're on tap in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They're you know like they're all over. A great distribution for them. Yeah, yep. And you do see them a lot. And they like like John mentioned, haven't been around for a couple hundred years, but quickly establish themselves and they're almost up to 800,000 check-ins on untapped a little, almost 5,000 this month alone um, with some really cool beer that you don't see a lot of places making they definitely don't shy away from uh, from barrels which you know, in this day and age is an exciting thing um, for sure there's just so much possibility there when you you introduce spirits and different kind of fermentation vessels or ways to approach maturing beer uh, that's where things get really inter- interesting. I mean, uh, a lot of people in this industry, a lot of brewers, kind of believe that the cellar is where the beer is is made, and 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 where the all the mistakes can happen, and where it's most <laughs> important to kind of be on your your game. So, uh, to to be as experimental as they are, there is uh, it's cool, and to have as much success as they have with it. But this is great. I mean, like yeah, six percent or six point one percent, tons of flavor. Really nice mouthfeel too. It mm. doesn't. It doesn't carry that. Um, I guess for like for, for like a really expensive barrel age, something that's sat around for a long time. The aging part, I mm-hmm. I equate in my head as smooth right. in texture. Um, and in this case, the staves I assume are more just to impart the flavor, which I think you nailed. You definitely get that. A kind of oaked, mm-hmm. uh, right, right, right yeah. on my first sip, I got that oaked uh, flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you get it each time you kind of finish up. Tellmore Dew is such an awesome uh, Irish whiskey as well. Oh, that's um, a delicious beer, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it really is. I'd love to have this with some Tellmore Dew. There we go. That would be um, uh, you know infusion project. We'll get some. <laughs> We're just next to it. Tree just, branches just right and there. soak them in Tullamore Dew <laughs> and stir around in the beer. Put we'll my, get there. Put them in my water and then then go home <laughs> for the day. A uh, good amount of uh, my untapped uh, friends list has actually had this particular beer from Innocent Gun. Um, and I see a bunch of people that uh, want really cool. I like. Uh, I, I love the puns. Uh, an untapped friend of mine, Josh, checked into a beer from Innocent Gun that is called Frank and Sense, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, which is hard for me to say without kind of smiling. <laughs> um, but I love I, I love the pun. They do some really cool, I guess, experimental stuff. I see mango mm-hmm. uh, IPA, and I think in their tap rooms as well, they've got some. There was like they did a zero percent lager. All right, uh, Innocent None. Right. Uh, so just riding the pun game. 
Um, but they're, I think their experimentals are really cool. I love when I see a brewery that's kind of right. big across country distribution and they're still going to make a bourbon barrel jalapeno stout and, and do some fun stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, pretty cool. And again, yeah, pretty unique, all this stuff that they're doing. And they kind of refer to beer and, whi- and whiskey as malt cousins on their website. They talk more about uh, this beer, which I think is a cool way of looking at it. They have always paired well together. And Telemore due to this awesome marketing campaign in Philadelphia where they had coasters that were shaped. It kind of looked like a snowman where it's like a big part that the beer would fit on and then attached to it was a smaller coaster for the Telemore Dew shot to sit on. And it was, it's a dew and a brew and it was in like every bar. And it was like, yeah, I will have, that's the coaster in front of me. And there's, it was like, if you ordered a beer, it was this Might weird well empty spot. Might get a shot of Telemore Dew to there with it. Asking for the Dew to join the party. So that was, uh, I remember that well. It's a great enough. marketing uh, <laughs> adventure. Yeah. So this is not a, not new, new territory for Telemore Dew at all to be um, side or parted up with, uh, with some beer. So, and in my experience, a solid partnership, whether it's in the beer or next to it, um, every time I've experienced it. But this is great, yeah. It's opening up nice. You're right, it's not like, it's not huge. It's, again, it's not 11%, it's 6%. It's got some nice body to it, but it's not that big maple syrup, you know, kind of explosion that a lot of barrel-aged beers are. It's definitely like a, I could, I could just drink this quickly you're so it, we uh i purchased this in a four pack and i could drink th- easily three of these in a sitting which is yeah. a lot for me i'm right. uh I, i'm <laughs> slower in my old age um but to get through three bourbon i mean these are just as it warms up i get a lot more vanilla yeah um, me too but not so much i mean we drank in the last episode we drank that beer from burial that was too big <laughs> to fit on a scrabble board <laughs> and right. that was amazing but i couldn't as amazing as it was there's no way i could drink another one well there's no way i could drink another one right after sure, that. No. it would have been really it would have been uh, too much of too much power for right. my palate yes it was yes it was a powerful episode that sent us to the Swiss Alps, if you remember, took us all over the place. Lots of waffles. It was a great time. Um, this, mm. this would, I think, this would pair just as well with anything that you're going to do. I mean, you could, I could, I could see this being a wonderful Thanksgiving beer, yeah, especially coming up point. around like pumpkin pie time. Sure, to kick off one of these. If if you're like me, one of those people that tries to eat Thanksgiving dinner at two o'clock because yes. you haven't eaten all day. Yes. Um, so you try and get it out early and you don't want to crush a 15% stout or start drinking Tullamore Dew at right. two o'clock and well, yelling at everybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> pace yourself with an innocent gun. Right. There you go. Innocent gun, two and one. Oh yeah. Kindred spirits. But yeah, no, I totally agree. You're right. It's good. Good. Uh, yeah. Pumpkin pie in this would be great. Oh, amazing. Mm, I'm just hungry. Um, I think the more we get into this season on the podcast, the more you're going to realize that Harrison and I love food <laughs> probably just as much as we love beer. Yep. yep. Uh, they all tie together in a love and hatred for uh, American football. Right. But <laughs> Right. Um, get deep into that today. Yeah, definitely. We've got some, I mean, the idea uh, of this episode coming out, this will be the last one we release before American Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. um, which is really, I think, just in my eyes, almost one of the best holidays we have here in the States. 
because the way that I've always celebrated it is with loved ones, there's really not gifts involved. It's just food and right. company. And, and I think that is, that's a holiday for me. Yeah. Right. Just sleep on a couch somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. That's <laughs> some Burt Reynolds movie, um, a comfy right. couch cushion. Right. It's usually Chevy Chase falling off at a roof somewhere in the background. That's, that's what occurs on just our, uh... preparing you for <laughs> Christmas. And, yep. Um, the, the older I get, the more Thanksgiving kind of shifts into my house growing up. Yeah. It was always other people's houses. And I remember like not liking the stuffing or dressing, depending on where mm-hmm. you're from right. or wondering if they were going to be able, if there was going to be a bunch of raw onions on the plate and just being <laughs> scared as a child when you're afraid <laughs> of raw onions. But the best part I think about Thanksgiving was that it was always at someone else's house and they right. always had a really cool dog. Right. And you <laughs> I would just get to hang out with some stranger's with dog, dog, dog right. and that would be great for me. <laughs> Honestly, that, that's, probably, that's probably the best way to spend any holiday or right. day is just right. petting stranger's with, dog. Right. With some animal somewhere and no responsibility of how to clean the this kitchen up it's not not my kitchen and i'm also a child yeah. there was a lot of a lot of manhunt happened afterwards where the kids would like it's funny looking back how as a child obviously your life doesn't revolve around beer as it should not and if it is please please <laughs> please alert somebody um, but <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh but you know just kind of the kids like eat food the kids run around outside and the parents would be inside just enjoying beverages and stories and laughter and yeah a lot of manhunt a lot of, i remember there was one year we my my cousins we found a bunch of stray cats in a barn like it just get birth to kittens and that was a big deal and lots of animal things happening interesting um but yeah a lot of manhunt a lot of getting tackled in muddy yards can you just elaborate on what manhunt is <laughs> oh, for man some hunt. of the listeners that maybe <laughs> don't know <laughs> Right, it's this fun game where we take the weakest person. No, <laughs> give them a five-second head start. Uh, it's like tag, but with teams, essentially, is how we played it. And there's also can be like a, a capture the flag version of it where you have two teams. Each team hides a flag somewhere, and the other team tries to find it, but you can tag that other team out when they're trying to steal your flag at any moment. So there's like jail set up that you sit in and... You can run to that jail if your cousins are stuck in there and free them from the jail by tagging them out of it. And it was, I lived in the Northeast where everyone's house was on like 20 acres of land and you could easily be like, you know, this barn here is one base and a quarter mile away. Across the grape vineyard. Exactly right. Is the, and and the other barn is the other base. Snow on the ground. Right. Sure. Yeah. A lot of times there was, or it was like a frozen ground. You could tackle it and not to mud, but like to icy dirt, which was. We really felt great. So you're kind of <laughs> struggling for air and feeling your shoulder bruising in real time. But that was, you know, part of growing up. Um, I, I often remember uh, tag, hide and seek, growing up into where it would be like some sort of terribly played football game right? Um, on Thanksgiving with uncles that wished they were my age and me yep. that wished right. I was older and right. older people that really shouldn't be playing. Right. It was just like the last chance we got to be active outside before right. the deep freeze sure. right. put us all inside for yeah, the rest sure. of winter. Yep. I do remember a lot of, yeah, a lot of uncles who'd had too much to drink trying to run out for a, a post route and then grabbing yeah. their hip or their back and yeah. you know, hearing the, oh, oh, oh. 
as they went down slowly to the ground. That was 100% me this whole last <laughs> right, couple of days. That's right. It's kind of looking into the future now and you think back. You're like, that'll be me. So I will do, I'll be the guy that pulls the hamstring and shuts down Thanksgiving one day, but at least for a little while. But uh, yeah. While we're drinking mm-hmm. and finishing this innocent gun, um, let's get to. I know Harrison and I have put together some of uh, uh, traditions that we have in the celebration of Thanksgiving or uh, the autumn equinox. If yes. you're uh, sure. not a Thanksgiving celebrator, um, we're just going to kind of talk through those as we continue to drink. But first, yeah. uh, really exciting news coming Hold from our sponsor on to your today. Hats. Look out, people. Uh, who is untapped, the yeah, right. uh, perhaps greatest beer social media that I've ever known. And we're doing something really cool today. On this episode, uh, we've got the uh, untapped store, store.untapped.com, mm-hmm. our sponsor for every episode. And in the spirit of Thanksgiving and Christmas shopping and yes. shopping, uh, we're actually just going to do a giveaway and we're going to be giving away essentially cash money. Look out. So uh, the way this goes, one lucky beer lover, uh, ideally a podcast listener, yeah. is going to receive a $25 voucher to the Untapped merch store Ooh. just in time for Christmas shopping or shopping for yourself. Yeah. Uh, the idea is you'll be able to use this to get a gift, whether it's Christmas-related or not, uh, bought and shipped to you. Uh, at least, uh, or, or twenty-five dollars to go towards anything. Sure, there's lots of cool stuff in there. Lots of new stuff in there. We talked about it a little bit last time, right? Some new glassware and sweatshirts and coasters. It's uh, beanie hats beanie came hats. in the other day. Great. I think. Um, and yes, Jared and Facebook group, we are bringing out some taster glasses uh, early in 2020 as oh, well. Fantastic. Um, so to enter this giveaway, leave a comment on Untap's Instagram post about this episode. Uh, we're going to link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Go to Instagram, type Untapped. You'll see a post about this particular episode, number 63. I need you to go into that Instagram post, leave a comment, Tag a friend mm-hmm. and use the hashtag drinking socially. That's, that's all you have to do that's to it. enter, right, Harrison? Yep, that's it. That's it. Yep. Just yeah, go into that episode, leave a comment, tag a friend, and use the hashtag drinking socially, and they'll enter you to win this guy. And what's the timeline looking like on this right now? Uh, so the way this is going to work, you have to put your uh, Instagram post up before November 24th at 12 a.m. Eastern. That's midnight Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Um, November 24th is going to be the Sunday after you listen to this. So get on Instagram, look for Untapped, follow us if you don't already. Um, check out the Instagram post about this episode, tag a friend. We're going to put the details in the show notes for this episode. Uh, but basically what we're going to do is grab everybody's Instagram name. That'll be fun. We're going <laughs> to go old school. We're going to write them down on a piece of paper. Yes. We're going to put them into an untapped hat, and we're going to randomly select a, uh Instagram handle, username, yeah. um, out of the hat. I'm going to take a picture of it. It'll go on the Facebook group, and that person's going to become the winner. We're going to announce the winner on the next episode of drinking socially released on december 4th that's right so get those comments in asap do it right now if you can unless you're driving then please don't but yeah remember to do this when you get a moment because why not it's just some free money sitting there 
They go grab it. And grab Worst case scenario, right. me or Harrison will go in there and like your comment. <laughs> right. Uh, best right. case scenario, you wind up with 25 bucks to spend on yourself for Christmas. That's right. The greatest gift of all, free money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check it out. And, of course, as always, you know, you can still use the, the – uh, podcast code in the store as well that's still going on right john yeah 20 percent off um use always. it when you get your 25 bucks use a coupon code podcast that'll save you another 20 percent off sure, just give um, it. ho 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 look at us true there's got to be a christmas stout coming up in our future i think there is I think we got it covered. Uh, but in the meantime uh tag us in social uh if you want to get more aggressive leave a itunes or apple podcast review yeah. for this episode let us know what you like what you don't like what you right. wish we did more yep um and of course harrison and i value that feedback and try and act yep. on it as soon as possible yep. we read it all so pop it in there and we'll check it out uh, moving Moving on from that, let's get to yeah. some of these beer traditions. Let's do it. I'm um, really excited. We announced uh, two episodes ago, uh, we talked about brewing beer in a pumpkin. We did. And that kind of translates into the first topic on discussion. But Harrison, it, it should, tell me about this pumpkin. Should it still be full of beer? Right. If you still have a pumpkin full of beer, you probably should get rid of it. Because it's probably dangerous now. It's probably turned into some crazy alcohol. If you haven't looked in your closet for a while where that pumpkin has been, and you're realizing as I say this, oh, oh no, oh no, that's been sitting in the hall closet for three weeks. Um, just quietly go in there and dispose of it. It's not good anymore. However, if you sat in there for like a week and transferred it out, it's probably good to drink now. So I'd love to kind of see some photos and pictures about that talk about it at all talk about if you didn't use the pumpkin just made the beer without it cool i mean that's as we said in the recipe obviously fine and definitely gonna be less of a a hassle but also as i talked about that it's fun to do especially this time of year have a beer sitting in a pumpkin perhaps and if you didn't if you missed that episode it was episode number 61 out of our gorge Mm -hmm. out of Uh, our gorge unintended oh Uh, you can go to that episode (laughs) still in the show notes, there's a link to Harrison's uh, right. homebrew recipe that right. he kind of penned down on how to brew a beer in a pumpkin. Yeah, it's yeah, and it works anytime there's a pumpkin. So you can do it now. It's never too late to brew in a starchy fruit, vegetable. I'm not going to debate gourd. that. Gourd. Gourd, I, I believe. That's yeah. fine. All right, great. Gourd. That makes sense. Saved by the gourd. Saved by the gourd. That's another... Oh, I could, anyway, uh, yeah. So, yeah, love to see those photos about it or stories about it or if it exploded and what that looks like because um, that's happening before. Uh, but, yeah, but it's... Uh, and it kind of brings us to as the the topic of homebrew has been brought up, some some really cool stuff we're doing this in fact a new thing we're doing today we've never done in the the honor of home brews itself we're gonna have a home brew from one of you all out there on the podcast today john's pouring it right now and it's looking great um but yeah that's something we're doing new this week checking out some home brewed beer and we're enjoying john why don't you talk a little bit about this what we got today how this happened the origin story, all that good stuff. Yeah, great. Uh, so this was kind of serendipitous the way this happened, but some years ago, early on in my career here at Untapped, uh, I was talking to somebody about Untapped for business and putting a beer menu online, 
and he was a really cool guy and uh he loved untapped and we kind of talked more about more about how many check-ins do you have and stuff and you know years go on and now he's a father and he's working a different job but he's got a uh homebrew uh set up that he does himself him him and a friend um there they go by high brewing yeah. um hye which is kind of the actually it's armenian i believe for armenian he explained it much better than i will <laughs> but uh this particular beer i love it because it ties to just he he just so happened to ship it to me right as harris and i were trying to do an episode and talk about the traditions of homebrew mm-hmm. and so this one amazing story the beer itself is named Maddie's Meltdown. I love it. Um, we're going to link to it in the podcast notes. You probably won't be able to find it anywhere, but if you are a home brewer, you should definitely create a homebrew untapped page and yes. keep track of your recipes and things you did good, things you wish you did better. But this particular beer comes from uh, Elliot's uh, homebrew high brewing, Maddie's Meltdown, uh, which is named after his brand new daughter, uh, Madison Ann. It was her first brew day, such an awesome <laughs> tradition. She was probably, I think, somewhere right. around like six or seven months old, yeah. um, kind of shoveling hops into the boil. <laughs> this, so this, uh, Elliot does an awesome job. Like I think home brewing allows you to, to just say, you know, like I'm, I'm doing what I want here. Um, so he's got three pounds of passion fruit puree and 15 habanero peppers, which scare the crap out of me. Yeah, here we go. Uh, half of the peppers he added during the last 15 minutes of the boil and the rest of them he added during the secondary fermentation. He also added citra, nugget, and eucanaut hops during the boil and then did some dry hopping. Uh, this added a great bittering and aroma to this particular homebrew, nice pepper up front, um, just to kind of warn you that trouble is around the corner. And I'm reading this from (laughs) his description of the beer on untapped on his homebrew page. Um, and Harrison, you kind of alluded to this earlier. Sometimes maybe the best beer in the world you've had, uh, can come from a home brewer. I mean, you can, well, I'll use mashed potatoes again. Like you can get mashed potatoes (laughs) at a great steak restaurant. Right. My mom also makes good mashed potatoes. I don't want her home brew, but, uh, but there's no reason if you love a particular style of beer, if you love a smoky Roush beer, right. um, pick up a, a few simple ingredients and spend make a weekend it. and make just it. learn how to make them. You may end up making some of the best Roush beer you've ever had. Right, yeah. And it may not happen the first time you make it. That's important That's to know. That's a fair point. That's a fair point to make. But, um, but yeah, but there, it's, it is, I mean, home brewing, like all great hobbies, comes with its own investments. You know, you want to get a nice setup and stuff. Doesn't need to be... You don't need a ton of stuff. Like as I mentioned, the pumpkin uh, pumpkin episode, you don't need a ton to make good drinkable beer. But you can also, with a small investment, really make amazing beer. And some of the best beer I've ever had was brewed to this day by guys who made it in their barn or their garage, like truly the best. And I've had some of the best commercial beers that have ever existed too. Um uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, there's oftentimes a knock or like a different people in the industry or people writing about the industry don't maybe don't know it, kind of look at like homebrew and then commercial beers and is not being on the same level. And I would argue that, that the best of the best, whether it's made in some huge billion dollar brewery or in someone's garage, if it's really well made, it's it's 
it's good and it's good beer and you do not need millions of dollars to do it. So with that, Maddie's Meltdown, looking at it, it looks amazing. I mean, it's crystal clear. You can see right through it. Um, awesome head on it. It's got a I little bit of color to it. Right, great um, color. It's like ruby amazing, red. It's Yeah, it's awesome. Amazingly clear. The head is, comes, I mean, this, this, I should say this comes to me in what used to be, it yeah. looks like a Pliny bottle. Sure. Um, wrapped up in duct tape with a handwritten label. Mm-hmm. And it, the, uh, we're going to talk about my first homebrew experience, but I've grown to get really excited whenever I see a bottle like this. And this particular beer, the nose on it know, smells great. like an amazing fruit salsa. Right. I mean that with, with compliment, Elliot, if great, you're listening. Great way. Of, you're right. It smells like a crazy mango salsa or something. Fruity salsa. You're right. All right. Let's get in here. Ooh, holy cow. Tons, gun. tons of habanero, but not, oh yeah. And then it's, oh man, the fruit. That's cool. Sex, 15 habanero peppers. I'd love to know how big his system is. Kind of get a guesstimate on how oh, three how, pounds of passion right, fruit puree. Right. Good Lord. And yeah. That's a lot of passion fruit, but also 15 habanero peppers, obviously pretty hot peppers. This is, a, this mm. is, this beer is a journey in, as I taste it. Right. Nine, the habaneros yeah, don't. Yeah. They're there, a hundred percent. They're there. Sure. They're shouting, but they're yeah. not aggressive. Right. They're just it's like not a gentle at all. Right. Yeah. It's kind of sitting there nicely on my tongue right now, but but very. This is cool as heck. And I'm a I'm a tough sell on pepper beers. I feel like the ones that I've had have been there to like shock and awe you and terrify you into never drinking again. But this one is not that at all. It the all passion fruit together. Is is a really nice balance. If it were purely habanero, I would have I would have said like, yeah, that's for shock value, maybe. Mm. Excuse me, but yeah. the passion the passion fruit that is in there, it's I don't know which one I'm tasting more of. Whether it's right. the kind of uh, sweet fruit or mm-hmm. that gentle. This man, Elliot, this is you great. Did you did it. Nine point two percent, eighty three IBUs too. And yeah, dry hopping. This, but I, I, I'm getting. It's just like a dance of yeah, the passion fruit and habaneros. That's uh, this is fantastic. Well done. Yeah, I mean, this is again case in point. And, I, and I'm gonna. We looked at some of the pictures that are on his brewery page to kind of get a feel for the system he's working with and how big it might be. But it's stuff you know anyone who wants to approach brewing can can get to uh, can get to a level where they're making really great beer. Um, with time and work and all that stuff, but but it's fun. I mean, that's the that's the reason why home brewing is such a uh, you know an addictive and popular kind of um, hobby is that it's you know you're you get to there is few things as satisfying as drinking a beer you have made. Like I remember the first time I did that, um, it was from the guy who's kind of my my godfather. We'll do a quick Harrison origin story. In the brewer, anyway, which does tie in with the, the holiday season a bit. So, my origin story, my kind of introduction to home brewing, started on a holiday break from school and college. I was a college age young man, went to a neighborhood holiday party, met up at a friend's you know house from high school, his parents' house, and lived right down the road from me. And one of the neighbors, his neighbors showed up with a bunch of jugs as I saw them, which I now know to be growlers uh, of <laughs> the beer. first time you see them, they are <laughs> right, jugs, right? They're just jugs. And he was, and he's a, he was a, he's is a large kind of house of a man. Um, his name is Tom McClenovic and he's, or Tom Mick. He's kind of well known in the certainly Connecticut, but new England brewing world. He's published a few 
recipes out there and in some books being interviewed and one of them being beer captured, which is really great. Um, homebrew book that has a lot of fantastic recipes in it. But uh, it was Tom McClendovic in the room walking in with these jugs of beer. And I was kind of like, what's happening? What's going on here? Where did you? And I, in my dumbness was kind of like, where did you buy this? As I'm sitting there drinking it. And he's like, yeah, try this, try this. And he's like, I didn't buy it anywhere. I made it right over there and kind of pointed, pointed over his shoulder at this big red barn. I could see kind of across the the yard that was um, that was his in his house there in his, his backyard. And I was like, holy cow, this is wild. At the time I was a, you know, studying biology and all this stuff and, and a college student who loved beer and was like, wow, the two worlds can, can meet. And he, um, he's a civil engineer by trade and every guy he brews with is like a bioengineer. So it's very science-based, which got me kind of excited about it. And yeah, a week or two later, I was in his garage at eight in the morning on a Saturday moving kegs around and heating up water. And I remember the first time I brewed them, it was like 8.30 in the morning, but still probably still almost, might have been earlier than that. It was still dark out. And he hands me a half pint of, of his award-winning, many times over, Imperial Stout. But I think his clock's in around like 10% or something. There's a great recipe for it online. Um, and puts on a, uh, an ELO record. And because wow. he's in his, he's probably in his 60s now. Um, and just, we're just blasting this at eight in the morning, setting up for the brew day, drinking a big old beer. And I was like, this is it. This is the life for me. I'm hooked. This is the life for me. Um, but his, he was for a while, the most celebrated kind of home brewer in the state of Connecticut won more awards than any other single person. And part of this really cool storied group called the underground brewer society of Connecticut, also known as the Yahoos, which stood for the Yankee Association of Homebrewers Opposed to Organized Societies. Perfect. So classic dad humor uh, <laughs> at work all over the place here. And interestingly enough, founded by Pat Baker, that group was, who went on to found the BJCP too. So lots of history there. Pretty substantial right, so uh, that's resume like, Right, so I was lucky. So it's, it's kind of like one of those stories we accidentally stumble upon, like perhaps one of the most, at that time, like educated group of homebrewers in the country and they've been around since the 70s making beer um a year or two before actually it was even legalized to do by president carter so that's a whole other story that i don't have much info on but anyway so yeah, my origin story was it was that it was kind of like you know in a barn making beer but he won tons of awards and rightfully so i mean the beer that i had there the first beer we brewed together was a clone of aventinus aventinus's weisenbach or doppelweisenbach and it was amazing um, and, and I mean, we bottled it up you know, a couple weeks later and it's to this day, one of the best beers I've ever had is a barrel stout's amazing. So uh, again, like I'm, I've experienced it or experienced it today with uh, Elliot's beer. You don't have to be a professional brewer to make beer that's exciting to, to drink and just really, really well made. Uh, I've seen it, experienced it a ton. So don't let it, uh, slow you down, but this is, this is great. A little bit of science, a little bit of soup kettle. Um, but definitely you, you want you, so Pat Baker yeah. is the guy that founded the Yahoos and then later went on to found the BJCP, the beer right. judging certification program. Right. Like that's, I, and I, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. I, I just, I feel like homebrewers always get a rap for like, they're the minor leagues. Right. We're, right. you know, we're playing in the major leagues here, but Every 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 brewer, one of the brewers I respect most here in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, was you know before he opened his brewery was part of a homebrew club, mm-hmm, and they would mm-hmm. do meats and tastes and everything. I mean, like yeah, that's kind of where you at least learn to 
theorize and right. build beers, yeah. and then the sure. hard part would probably just be scaling that recipe. Right. But yeah, I mean that is, right. That is a good yeah. So it is it is very the science is the same, but yeah, like doing it. How do you run a commercial brewery compared to the brewery in a garage is very different. But that's like the easy stuff that can be taught to almost anyone. I mean, all this stuff can be learned by almost anybody. But um, but yeah, but the science itself and right scaling that recipe up. That's where the real work, the recipe itself is where the work is. Scaling it is easy, and then learning how to run a, a commercial brewery, um, you can anybody can do that. So yeah, it's uh, again, this is awesome. I'm so pumped that uh, Elliot sent this over. It's uh, it's great. I mean, it's like this is this is great. It's tastes. I would not know. I would buy this in a store. I would drink it on tap, and I would say, "This is fantastic! This is what a, a cool beer! This is a really exciting beer." I hope not they even do it like again. what a cool beer for a homebrew. Like this is just a cool. This is great. It beer, it, it tastes like a beer that I would only get to have once. And right. Unfortunately, right. in this right. case, right. That's, that's true. true. That's true. But you're right. It tastes like something some brewery would release for like their anniversary beer. It's just really cool and, and different. Yeah. Elliot's background. I've never actually had a pint with him. We just kind of met through Untapped, but. Um, he's got a culinary background, which it, for me is really exciting. Um, you got brewers like Mad Chef in Pennsylvania that mm-hmm. do these kind of culinary influence beer. And I think that's just, that's really exciting. Um, yeah. you can kind of see it here with the, the passion fruit and habanero. He does a lot of beers with peanut butter in it. Mm. If, wow. if, you know, if I had my way, every beer would taste like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, Maybe not. I'd probably no. change my mind, but <laughs> But homebrewing allows you to do that. Right. You say, like, no, I wish I had more jelly. I wish I had Concord grape jelly. You can can build it. You can do it. Um, With permission from your family and a a smallish investment. um, And generally get a friend to come over and A couple friends. A younger friend to help lift all the heavy stuff. That was me for a while. I was the younger. Find a Harrison. (laughs) A young me and lift all the stuff. My first homebrew story is nowhere near as celebrated as Harrison's, but kind of similar. I was... Uh, at a Buffalo Bills tailgate near Ooh. where I grew up. I was probably just about the drinking age. Sure. And I remember, you know, like kind of learning how a tailgate was, wor- <laughs> like how, how does tailgating work? Like you don't really tailgate as an underage person sure. in the U.S. or at least maybe you don't. Underage person technically, anywhere. Right. Um, and so I'm showing up and, you know, there's there's somebody cooking chili over a giant fire in a parking lot. And <laughs> there's like there's people running around selling necklaces that light up. And we yeah. decide we're just going to like throw the football and we got a tiny little charcoal grill and mm-hmm. we're going to cook some hot dogs on it and just yep. get ready for the game before it snows. Yep. And <laughs> these Canadian guys, which is Canada's border and Buffalo are like a 10 minute drive away. Right. These Canadian guys come up and ask if they can toss the football with us. And yeah, they're, they're nice as all get up and they're sure. Bills fans. So we're, yeah, sure. we just toss a football. You guys want some dogs? And they drag over this archaic looking cooler mm. and they pop the top and there's a bunch of beers in it, which is great because sure. uh, at the time you couldn't buy beer on Sunday in oh, New York. So right. we didn't think that through and we only had about 12 <laughs> beers for, for four or five people. Right. Um, so that we were really grateful and I went in and I grabbed one of the bottles of beers and the label was ripped off and there was like a marker on it and the bottle cap was different than anything I'd ever seen. Right, right. I said, what do you guys do in Canada? What, right, why, what is this? Why, why does this beer look like it? you bought it at a thrift store? And the guy says, oh, we make our own. 
Right. Uh, and I said, what are you, you, what are you magical? Right. Um, and I, I wish, <laughs> I can't remember if the Bills won that day. I can't remember any of their names. Right. I just remember coming home and not even talking about the Bills game, just being like, there were these Canadians, right. they make their own make beer, their own they beer. make it themselves. <laughs> How? Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and it was great. I yeah. mean, it tasted, if I could compare it in, in memory, it, it was the first time I think I remember a beer tasting somewhat sweet and malty mm. and thinking like, man, you guys just, you've got it figured out. Right. Um, and I didn't even know what, home brewing was beer was just this yeah. giant corporation sure sure yeah yeah um that sponsored football commercials that's and, right and that was that was my first introduction to it and it was years and years later before i ever got the idea that maybe i could try it as well but uh forever you three random canadians if you happen to be listening uh right. john the bills fan says thank you <laughs> thank you for that for sharing your beer with him that's a great story i feel like there's a lot that's uh, yeah the discovery of that everyone has kind of this story of discovering craft beer, but a lot of people have this story of discovering home home brewed beer, and probably more and more of those stories now than ever. And it's, uh, I'm glad we have uh, both have some both have memorable ones, um, which uh, which is great. But this is yeah, cool, cool. So what else we got here, John? We got a lot of well more stories, more um, things. Perhaps to share. an easier segue than I had initially planned. We we're planning on talking about <laughs> sports traditions, yes, um, and how those relate to beer. Mine, I'll try and walk you through really quickly. I've already mentioned that I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the course of my life, they've had a losing record. <laughs> there was a time in the early 90s where they were really good, but ultimately yep. lost, as I'm sure most people know. Yep. Um, for the last 10 years, they've been really not good. So it's great. <laughs> as a Bills fan, as a, as a Buffalo Bills American football fan, Beer and football go together uh, very well. Um, but that also kind of translated to, I mean, anytime football is always on Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you drink beer, you kind of, there's a social aspect to beer. When I was in the army, we would almost every Saturday, we would get together and play flag football. Yeah. Here in the States, Saturday belongs to college football. Mm -hmm. In the Army, college football doesn't mean anything. So we would just play flag football and kind of pretend we were in the NFL. Horrible as we were, the main reason is that we would all just kind of bring beer from where we were from. The Pennsylvania guys would bring Yingling. Um, The West Coast guys would talk about how they couldn't get their beer (laughs) wherever we were. Um, But it was just – it was this great kind of camaraderie. I – I remember sports and playing football when I was in school. Kind of the first time, like I had a really cold, long football game and taking a hot bath as I got home and drink like three Advil instead of the typical two and grabbing a beer and just feeling kind of like a Viking, which Mm. is really funny if you've ever seen me because I'm not (laughs) definitely not a Viking. Um, and then in my older age, kind of as I, as I grow up and I play a little bit less sports, I see a lot of times like you'll see like a, a beer in 5k or a beer right. run or beer and yoga and stuff. And I'm almost always going to be right at the tap room when those finish, right. uh, I'm just, right. just ready, <laughs> ready for everybody to come in. I'll just get the good seat early. Yep. But I think, I think there's definitely, there's, there's a competition, there's a celebration involved in sports. Sure. And there's a there's a kind of a group, a team, a unity that, that beer really lends itself to. I know Harrison 
um, we we talked about it before. Uh, poor guy is not a Bills fan, nope. but uh, <laughs> right. But uh, still- Harrison, what's your kind of sports and beer tradition? Yeah, so for well, forever before beer came into the picture in high school, it would just be the Turkey Bowl at the high school. People get I think it was members of the soccer and lacrosse teams get together and play and turn into like kind of a mud bowl just to wear ourselves out before eating uh, eating a lot of turkey that, that later that day we kind of get up early in the morning and do it and now we do do I I'm I'm not in the tap room but I'm kind of watching my wife run the turkey trot while I opt out of it so <laughs> yes. the days my, the days of running around before I eat a bunch of food my I mean for now are I guess a little bit a little bit on hold uh, for a bit um, but yeah, I mean, more the, the less the playing and more the watching. I mean, that's a there's a every Thanksgiving tons of uh, football on in the states that day. Usually about three games, and so you kind of have that on in the background while you're eating food or making food, or kids are running around and you know getting into trouble, and you know your dad your dad's passed out on the couch already, and things something's burning in the kitchen. Lots of great kind of <laughs> sense sense memories there, and. Uh, smoke alarms going off and being yelled at to get outside because I'm in the way. Um, and now I get to do the yelling, um, which is fun. Although I'm, I'm more of the sleeping on the couch. I think that's my my role. Uh, but in college, it was a lot of kind of a mixture of, of where I am now and where I was, where I'd get home. And sometimes there'd be a turkey bowl. Sometimes there wasn't, but there was almost always the Sam Adams seasonal in the fridge, which used to be, I think it was like 12 different beers and Lord Fezziwigs is what was in there. I they remember had, that. That yeah. was a good beer. Yep. They had the cherry wheat ale was in there every year. They had a couple, I think they had some kind of porter they did that might've had some spruce or something in it. But again, in New England, Sam Adams is kind of everywhere. It was less craft beer, more of just beer and more of just a regional beer that everybody drank, which is kind of cool. And there are a lot of breweries that had that same, not, not a lot, but a fair amount, I guess, of reason have that same um, kind of association you find. Um, uh, but uh, in history, too, the ones that have been around for a bit longer. But, yeah, so we drinking those and stealing them uh, <laughs> for my for my parents. Not from a store, but from my, again, in the, Thanks. In, in the college, in the college age, just kind of sneaking one or two there or or not and just kind of drinking them all when no one was looking and wondering where all the, and wondering where all the beer went. Uh, when uh, when they went to grab one themselves, someone else, my family. That Yingling Porter is a great beer. Going to college in uh, Pennsylvania, Yingling itself was always all over the place, but their porter is kind of this unsung hero they make, I think, all the time, as is their black and tan, another great, which I think is just their porter and their lager blended together. Uh, but they package that in six packs, another great option for something a little bit darker. But that's uh, what I kind of gravitated to in the college years. And now it's a lot of the seasonal releases whether it's blizzard of hops from trogues or uh you know other things like that um there are you know lots of lots of great beers that get released this time of year bigger stouts um get released by certain breweries that i'll definitely kind of sit on and enjoy after i have a bunch of food but that's kind of the goal is to fill up as much as possible on food so that i could consume as much beer as possible and and have the food be that nice wall that slows it all down um, so I can keep consuming it, but it's a uh, it's it's easily one of my favorite days, and would always end Thanksgiving itself with a uh, a viewing of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to kind of kick off that part of the year, which is a uh, hilarious movie. If you haven't seen it, you should. Um, but we watch it every year, and still we would all laugh at it, and like we'd never seen it before. And that's a rare movie that does that. And obviously, the 
occasion itself. And the beer and the turkey probably had a lot to do with the laughing. But, um, but yeah, it's some of the fond memories there. I'm uh, that always come up, and I'm excited to repeat every year, even though it's uh, you know I know it's coming and and know what's going to happen pretty much. Uh, it's still enjoyable. Ben Franklin, beer is proof that God loves us. That's right. Um, there, and and us to beer, be happy. beer is also enough of a social <laughs> lubricant for right. me to watch right. a 30-year-old right. movie with right. my family and sure. enjoy it. Just watch Chevy Chase fall off the roof a bunch. That never gets old. Um, um, speaking of sports, right? <laughs> hanging up the <laughs> right. Christmas lights. That's right. Um, just wanted to send one shout-out to Facebook group member Stacy. She ran her, I think, first 5K and posted oh. it. wasn't a beer 5K, right. but she found a way to incorporate it um, into that, and I'm pretty sure she made it through swimmingly. Uh, that's a bad choice of words for a run. Joggingly. Uh, joggingly. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention in kind of doing some research into beer sports, there's a whole bunch of things that come up there. Yeah. Uh, beer pong is probably most sure. known here in the States. In uh, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland, probably there's uh, kind of a, a tradition that they use uh, a beer crate run. And mm. I love this idea, and I, I'm sure that I'm going to see it happen here in the States very soon and be jealous I'm not a part of it. Essentially, it's a team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Harrison and I, yep. although we're not going to make right. any good time. One, one um, good knee between the <laughs> two of us. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even gotten started yet. Um, but so it's a it's a where two people carry a crate uh, uh, or a case of beer over ten kilometers, and yeah. you can't finish oh, until the beer kilometers. is gone. Oh, yep. man! So you, you also have to drink the case of beer with your teammate as you carry it ten kilometers. That's interesting. I mean, there's strategies. Do we drink it sure. all right now yes. and then run with an empty case? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you we, do, Joe. We've already won. <laughs> right. Yeah, at that point, you get as far as you can until you pass out. That doesn't really matter. But, yeah, I mean, that's interesting that literally the case gets lighter as you drink more, which should make it easier, but you're also drunkers, which, of course, makes it harder. I so, get really strong when I've drank too much sure, beer, but not right. actual strong. Sure, just, imaginary just, It only strong. lives in my head. Right, exactly, right. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. run around the block right. after a, a case of, of beer. A lot of grunting and huffing and puffing. Probably a lot of groaning and then a lot of sitting and then... Yep. Yep. Kind of, uh, we're gonna finish the race tomorrow. And then some Not tomorrow. I'll be hungover. Right. <laughs> some light Ubering there, and then uh, a celebration. But that's a yeah. That'd be man. Ten kilometers. Kind of yeah. in the states, we'd have this is this is Germany and and, and sure. Austria and Switzerland. In the right. states, it'd be a five k, right? Um, sure. And probably a six pack, right? But, uh, I maybe, like that yeah, version. Yeah, we could figure out a way to a six sure. tool. Carry 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 a six barrel. Iron Man and a half keg. Be, <laughs> <laughs> we'd all drown in the water part. Everyone would just go under. Yeah, that, would, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't work well. Only one of those would happen. Oh man! Um, but uh, yeah, love. Uh, it is. It's it's kind of funny thing to combine sports and drinking, and and I mean that literally. It is kind of funny to uh, to watch. Um, often, I, I mean, Dizzy Bat is kind of the classic. Oh yes, Revenge of the Nerds, Dizzy Bat. Um, I played many a time. We play. I played Dungeons and Dragons with sure. beer a lot. I know that's not anybody listening. Their eyebrows <laughs> just went way up. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons is getting cool right. again, it is but a game. it is not a sport. Right, uh, it's a game, not it, a sport. There's no matter how many times you roll the dice, it is really not that physical, but it's fun. Uh, it is. 
Um, ah, and there's traditions there too. But sure. uh, moving to our last bullet point on traditions, I don't know how how much of a tradition this may be, but kind of beer nostalgia, right? And first beers. I always have a different answer when you ask me what my first beer memory mm-hmm. was. We ask a lot of people to join the Facebook group. What's your first beer memory? Yeah, and it's usually a fifty fifty split between a really really cool story and I don't remember. Um, which is, which is uh, both of them I accept. It's fun reading the stories, right. but I don't blame you if you don't remember. There's so much regional, you know, in the States, sure. your first legal beer memory probably comes around the time you're in college or university. Today, there's breweries that partner with universities and make beers, um, like literally to support. There's Old Tuffy for North Carolina yeah. State. Yeah. Um, there's a beer that Brian from the Facebook group was telling me about this made for a college. Um, there's minor and major league baseball team collaborations. Bud Light put, you know, your team on our beer. I think last year they had every NFL team and it was, they put the team logo on the beer and distributed regionally. I remember that. Yep. That's right. Um, for me, I mean, my, my beer memory goes back to, High school, like Bud Light, Labatt Blue, Yingling sometimes. Like I kind of remember sometimes a warm Milwaukee from a backpack Ooh, if I was fortunate enough to grab exciting. one. Uh, not really knowing what the, one of the first beer memories I have that always comes up is a, a Beta's uh, Purple Haze. Yeah. I remember drinking that and just wondering like what kind of secret magic happened to this beer Right. Um, the one I'm most hopeful uh, that the entire staff at New Belgium is listening to is the first time <laughs> I had Coco Mole Ooh, from yeah. their Lips of oh, Faith you know series. What? And mm. it was the first time I had like a mole, a Mexican spiced yep. chocolate stout. It was, I don't even think it was a stout, but it was chocolate and there were like cinnamon and some whatever goes into a mole that eludes me at this point. Um, Coco Mole from New Belgium was one of those beers that I remember having and saying like, there's culinary influence here. Ballast points, Indra Canindra, mm-hmm. um, to some might sound horrible, but it, I mean, the coconut, curry, cumin, that beer was a great curry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, those are most of my first beer memories are the ones that like just kind of came out of nowhere uh elliot's beer here this is something like i've never tasted before this is really fun it's an adventure Mm -hmm. you know like those i think are the one the the ones that create memories yeah absolutely yeah no no you're absolutely right there for me you know i mean i have again obviously spoken about this before um on the cast of the newcastle brown l being my uh nuki brown nuki browns being the kind of first one of my first memories um, and then tons of yingling in college, but and I think I've shared the craft beer. My first kind of maybe I haven't um, craft beer stories was from Dogfish Head's April Hop, which they don't make anymore, unfortunately. But it was a spring seasonal. They used to release every like April first or something like that. And uh, they, I was lucky in college to have a roommate who had an older brother, nice, who would visit us all the time, and every time bring a case to a beer. Great, great man. Awesome guy. Um, he was. And he was like seven feet tall. So every time, and, and hilarious. And every time we'd come, he'd just create a lot of trouble. And they don't, but no one would want to like 
approach him about it because he was huge, like a Seven like a giant. And he brought you beer, right? Nope. So no one really messed with him, and, and and he was hilarious. And I was like messing with people, messing with other people. But um, yeah, brought Aprahop. Uh, probably back in like 2006 or seven or so. And it was the first time I had it. I was like, holy cow. And it was so hoppy and bitter. It was bitter. It was also hoppy. The apricot kind of came right through. And I, I remember thinking like, holy cow, this is a beer. Like there's so much flavor here. Yes, yes. Um, And so much going on in this that I wasn't expecting, didn't know existed. Like that was definitely like my awakening moment of like, holy cow and i was a sophomore in college or so i was young in my college years where usually you're drinking you know something silver out of a box or a trash can as i've also explained (laughs) in my (laughs) weird anyway vessels are not important um but uh it's the it's what's inside that matters but um (laughs) but uh (laughs) it should be a t-shirt it shouldn't be a t-shirt it might Um, be a (laughs) t-shirt it might be a t-shirt um but uh but anyway, yeah, and that was definitely like the awakening for me. And like, having floated around with other different outside of the American Light Lager box things like Newcastle Brown, it was great. But that was the moment where I was like, oh boy, this is a game changer. And really from that point on, my college experience is kind of like, yep, let's grab that case of something weird, but let's all like something simple, but let's also get like a six pack or a 12 pack or sometimes we get like a case of something. It was usually dogfish head going to school outside of Philadelphia. Dogfish head was everywhere being located in like two hours away from where I went to school. It was always really fresh and kind of in there. I don't know if you'd say heyday or certainly like when, when everyone was freaking out about them, they were published in all kinds of magazines about, you know, I think someone they were paving the road a lot. Really? Like like the, the 90 minute was like the best IPA in the world for a while. And, and rightfully so. And we'd save up that cakes to that probably cost like, I don't know, $60 Five or whatever. Five times more than which whatever was, right, else you were ridiculous. Yeah. But I remember we, I remember we got it one day. It was like a hot late April, early May day. And we got it and played volleyball all day and drank that beer. And I think we went to the mess hall and maxed out our like <laughs> credits for that day of like, I'll have a cheeseburger and a cheeseburger and a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting there inhaling it all. Kind of just, you know, playing with fire all afternoon and exhausted from being out in the sun and drinking 90 minutes. But so anyway, uh, but yeah, that that beer, Aprahop, opened me up to everything and made me a lifelong Dogfish Head fan. But and just that when you have that, and I'm sure that's kind of that's what we're asking about when we have that, when you enter the group, that story of like that moment where, where everything changes, that kind of turning point where the world is before and after that. Um, love to hear about it because uh, I definitely have one. I mean, John has them, like a lot of people do, where uh, the big reason why you probably found Untapped happened a while before that when you found some really cool beer uh, that uh, made you want to find out more about that and just opened up that that curiosity in you. So mine was Abraham, um, and uh, yeah, thankful for that and for older brothers and, and, and bringing beers and, and educating Passing the torch on, if you will. The kindness of family mm-hmm. and those old enough to purchase beer. Right. Um, but a- absolutely, and, and please do let us know. Usually I'll share some stories from our Facebook group, um, which is kind of Harrison and I's best way to, uh, one, to really keep in touch with some really cool people and just see there's been some amazing shares for Stout Day. We mm-hmm. got a lot of great pictures. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, yes, yeah, so many pictures football got some pictures somebody had a picture of sam adams utopias which really made me jealous um and we actually went in on a bottle of it harrison and i and some extra friends so brian won't get to drink it for the podcast because we had to share it with about eight other people (laughs) 
<laughs> um, but that the Facebook group is great. There's all there's I think most commonly I see people asking for advice when they travel, and it's always really cool to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll try and shout out a couple of recommendations. Somebody was going to uh, Brian was going to Indianapolis, and I said, yes. yes, you know, Sun King, check out Daredevil, yeah. check out uh, Kumas and. Um, somebody else commented and said, like, yeah, Daredevil, there's a go-kart track right next door. Like, that was really cool. Right, I mean, right. this is the type of advice you can't uh, generally Google. Right. Um, but the the point of this, uh, the uh, one bit of uh, feedback we got from the Facebook group comes from Jared who said, you know, hey, I, I kind of liked the way you guys used to do news clips um, or little bits of news about uh, the craft brew world. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been some pretty cool stuff that's happened in the last couple of days here. So Absolutely. Jared, thanks for the advice. Uh, there's a couple of likes on there. So Harrison and I are going to jump right in. Harrison's going to talk about uh, some pretty big news in the craft mm-hmm. beer world. And hopefully I can add to that. Yeah, exactly right. So on the, I believe it was the 12th, might have been the 11th of November, uh, AB InBev, so Anheuser-Busch, um, bought the Craft Brew Alliance, or CBA as it's uh, commonly referred to, and as it would the name suggests, it's an alliance of a bunch of breweries, um, namely Hawaii's Kona Brewing Company, Oregon's Widmer Bros Brewing, Washington's Red Hook, Florida's Wynwood Brewing Company, Massachusetts' Cisco out on Nantucket, North Carolina's Appalachian Mountain Brewing uh, Brewery, and then the gluten-free brewery, um, Emission, a Square Mile Cider Company, and then the PH Experiment, which is a brand incubator for CBA. So that's all part of CBA and now owned by InBev. They used to own about 30% of it, had a deal with them a couple of years ago, and then uh, essentially, when the timing was right for them, just bought the rest up and now um, own all of it. So really interesting. A lot of those breweries um, that I just mentioned that's part of CBA have been around for a while. A lot of them are looked at as kind of pioneers i grew up drinking a ton of um cisco's pale ale is called whale's tail pale ale that was like everywhere and um in appalachian membering breweries uh, uh their spody odie or yep pale ale great beer um oh pale ale uh from north carolina right, out, out right. in the west of north carolina but right. great those guys are a great brewery mm-hmm. yep kona i love i love kona everything all their bottles and they make really solid beer so anyways this is a this is a big deal to have um, you know, all these breweries also be joining AB's pretty impressive, growingly more and more, especially after they uh, bought out Cleveland's Platform Beer Company in August of this this year too. Um, adding there, so uh, yeah, just kind of big, big news. Obviously, when anything like this happens, and um, you know, breweries kind of change ownership. There are lots of questions. What's next? Obviously, we'll see. But there've been a relationship there for a while between all these breweries and. Uh, and InBev. And really, at the end of the day, most of the time, it's just about just distribution. Like, how can we get more places? How can we expand our footprint? I'll partner up with the, the biggest, really, distributor of beer in the world, which is uh, InBev. So, um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it was big to see and, you know, curious about what will happen next. But hopefully, it just means more beer for for people who can't get it. Although, there was a some fair amount of kind of noise made about the fact that Kona has a seltzer brand 
and hard seltzer, which is growing like crazy. Holy cow, that, seltzers. Uh, you know, it's White definitely Claw been a good year for yeah, tru- seltzer yeah, beer. Right, right, Claw, truly, all that stuff that you've probably seen a lot of and your friends checking in untapped and maybe you've enjoyed some yourself. Great. But uh, Kona has a hard seltzer as this platform, I believe. So I'd certainly, um, you know, in that same vein, Miller Coors made a big announcement this about two weeks ago saying they were kind of doing some restructuring and also wanted to focus on, in so many words, more on the hard seltzer, which is growing like, you know, gangbusters. So very interesting. So again, lots of things, kind of moving pieces, too early to say anything at all, but certainly um, of note and something we'll kind of keep an eye on here and see what happens next. The hope is that just more, more beer starts flowing that uh, was perhaps harder to find. I mean, I for one would love to get some platform, love to see Cisco, Whales tail pale whales whales tail pale more often. Have some I more of Elliot's beer. I knew it. I knew it. Um, um, yeah, but very cool. They're very interesting. That's. I know there's definitely opinions on uh, ABI's acquisition mm. of breweries and and the. High, I remember when they acquired Wicked Weed, uh, right. which was kind of like the shining star for North Carolina. Sure. That news caught me off guard, and yeah, you know, I felt like I was in a, a political battle on Facebook with right. friends. And I mean, at the I think at the end of the day, it's important to remember that some people brew beer for the passion and the love. Some people brew beer for the business. Some people sure. fall in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's 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 still a great time to be drinking it. Yeah. Um, so my hope is that if if this acquisition is beneficial, then that means that Red Hook and Kona and mm-hmm. then they start to see their sales improve. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that's good for all the people that work there as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, article, one of the articles I read about it, you know, the CEO of CBA, Andy Thomas, is going to be there at least through 2021. He's um he's that's like as long as his current contract. Uh, you know, is running. So that's not going to change anytime soon. And then their uh, chief uh, financial and strategy officer who used to work, uh, be New Belgium CEO, um, Christine uh, Parrish is also going to be there too, uh, attached to CBA. So again, a lot of the times, I mean, when you think about it, and this isn't always the case, but if you're acquiring a company, it's because you like what they're doing and that's attached to the people that are already working there. So it's, I think it's pretty rare, although it does happen, but rare certainly in the beer world to kind of clean house and you grab a new brewery or a series of breweries. It uh, wouldn't really make too much sense since you're uh, assumingly buying something that you like and, and you like because it's, it's run well. Do so, it well, yeah. Right. The brand is one part of it, but the I think the beer, uh, of course I'm viewing this from my lens right mm-hmm. I, I i value the beer more than the brand i think but i don't know yeah. that's a discussion we have maybe at a different date like right. i trust new belgium to make a good beer so sure. i i'm okay buying them wherever i am in the world yes um and then some breweries i know like uh if, if it's a high abv beer i might look specifically for avery first or something like but but brand, i think brand's important i don't know what i was trying to say yeah, there no, but you're right yeah, yeah and again the relationship between abi and cba has been there for a long time so this is and a lot of people thought this was just inevitable and kind of surprised it didn't happen earlier so in this case, much not much may change, but uh, definitely was noteworthy and got people talking when that happened uh, in the office the other day. So I wanted to share with you guys. We'd love to hear your feedback on it as well in the group, on social. Everyone to reach out to us if you have some insights we may have missed or a different take on it. 
let us know and we'll we we'll read all the stuff you guys write and uh, and comment on and for those of you that are woodworkers i'm going to dovetail off of Ooh, harrison's uh, initial do. bullet point and bring up something that's kind of the same but different mm-hmm. but uh brewbound yes. uh, hosts a live event in santa monica california early in december um and so their winter event brewbound is actually presented by the cba the craft brew alliance um, it's, it's a, I think it's a really cool industry event. Um, for me with a business background, I kind of love the focus on what they do here, um, which they call pitch slam. Ooh. And I mean, kind of think of it as like shark tank for a brewery. Um, basically what you do is you can apply and enter to be in this pitch contest, um, where you're going to be kind of vetted and eventually, if you make it through, you're going to be pitching your brewery or cider or canned cocktails or kombucha or, or whichever kind of idea you have that falls in that realm. Right. You're going to be pitching it to a panel of incredible uh, background, like uh, people <clears throat> from the CBA, uh, right. financial backers. There's going to be venture capitalists that are watching this. Wow. Like, very much like Shark Tank. Yeah. And I think what's really cool, you know, aside from the, I, I think the business of it is really, is, is really exciting. Um, but this, like this competition has been held for years and previous winners are like yeah. Miami's Winwood, um, Braxton Brewing out of Ohio, AMB, mm-hmm. uh, at Mountain Brewing out of North Carolina, we, we were just talking about, um, Nova Brazil recently. And what I think is cool is it just kind of, I mean, I think it's, I drink beer and I have fun drinking beer, but I love to break down all the walls, whether it be Canadians showing me what homebrew is mm-hmm. or kind of learning in a huge commercial brewery what is involved in making a successful brewery versus one that has to fold. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these guys are in the really early stages and they're getting advice from people that have launched one or two successful breweries before and have some really valuable feedback. Yeah. And they make uh, some of the previous pitch videos available on their website. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. But I think it's, again, I just, I, I kind of nerd out. I think it's really exciting You've got like uh, partners from Wormtown that are judging this. You got directors yeah. of innovation that are judging this. Um, so I think it's uh, it's an exciting opportunity to just kind of get a sneak peek into mm-hmm. where trends are going. Who's yeah. going to be the uh, a new successful brewery, um, and and what their ideas are, where the where the financial backing is willing to spend the money and support. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that stuff, uh, sorry if that got a little bit nerdy, but, um, but again, I think that business, the business side of beer is, uh, or can be, uh, somewhat exciting and oh, yeah. usually not the part anybody talks about. Right. But, but the most, but the first part and obviously the most, really the most important part, if you want to keep being open as a brewery, you have to, you know, know what you're doing as a business. You can't be buying all the hops just cause you want to, and then find out, Oh, we don't have money to keep the lights on. So that is important to have a have a you know at least understanding of that and to meet with people in this industry that do. Uh, it's great, but yeah, this looks like a pretty impressive event. And yeah, the alumni alone who have won, it's like some pretty serious breweries. So 
Um, clearly, uh, yeah, if you are thinking about this or have some ideas, you know, people who do and don't know what they don't know about this event, you can register for it still, I'm pretty sure. We'll, like John said, we'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, Registration will be over by the time you're listening, but the event itself is going to be December 4th or 5th. We'll oh, put a right. link to their website Both just days. so you can kind of check out. Um, I don't know if they'll live stream the final pitches, but there's right. usually going to be a YouTube recap, which is you know just drink a beer and and kind of you know, take a take a listen at what sure. people are pitching as the future of craft brew. Right. Yeah, but this looks cool. I did not know about it till today, and it's yeah. Again, for fans of Shark Tank and beer, now you have beer something tank. you can. Right. That's the thing already. <laughs> <laughs> they should have called it that though. That would have been. <laughs> oh boy. Cool. Uh, well. For those of you that uh, listened along, thanks so much for making it through the show. Remember, uh, if, if you're listening to this, it's before November 24th at mm-hmm. midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to Untapped on, on Instagram. Go to Instagram, look for Untapped, yep. and tag a friend. Use the hashtag drinking socially. That's all you have to do. We're going to write down your Instagram name. We're going to pick from a hat. There might be 300. There might be 20. Right. Um, your chances are unknown, but the prize <laughs> is, uh, is, is a free $25 in the untapped store, um, and you'll get to hear Harrison say your name in two weeks. Ooh, yes. All right. Exciting. Uh, other than that, the show notes with the contest rules and the link to the Brewbound event and Elliot's beer and everything are going to be available at podcast.untapped.com, mm-hmm. uh, Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen. They should be translated over there as well. If you have any questions or feedback, let us know on social media. Connect with Untapped on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or directly with Harrison and me at facebook.com slash drinking socially. And we'll see you in two weeks. Cheers. Cheers.